Welcome to TPQ20, where we go beyond the page with poets about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. I'm Courtney Margolin. And I'm Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. It's me. <laughs> hello, welcome. How's it going? I'm good. I'm Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, Courtney. Nice to meet you both. Nice Hi, Sam. It's so well. nice to meet you. Yeah. Well, okay, now I'm glowing. Welcome, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to uh, TPQ20. Oh, thank thank you. you so much for uh, hanging out with us and agreeing to do this. Um, so uh, we know who you are, but our audience may not know who you are. Um, how dare they? But... <laughs> who could not? No, I'm kidding. People know who I am. That's already a surprise <laughs> right there. <laughs> but well, we always like to start off things with um, if you were going to give your elevator pitch of who you are, um, who are you? My name is Sam Herschel Wine. I am a poet and cutie who just relocated to Knoxville, Tennessee to start my MFA in creative writing. Um, so my room is like not fully set up yet because I'm still like gathering myself. So I'm like, oh, white <laughs> walls, you know, but I'll have some art up there very soon. Um, and yeah, I'm a writer. I'm writing fiction for the first time, but I usually write poetry and I am an all around gallivanter, frolicker, lollygagger, good time, who cares a lot about community and writes a lot about queer friendship and um, connectedness and joy. That's my elevator pitch. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was <is>. fabulous. <laughs> that's, that's one hell of an elevator pitch. I love it. I think that's one of my favorite ones I've ever heard. Like I, Molly Gaga. I love it. You are a good time. <laughs> you know, it's important to be a good time. And I uh, agree. You know, <laughs> we can hang out anytime. You are a good time. <laughs> Now, where did you move? You moved to Knoxville from where? Uh, from Chicago, where I've lived Chicago. for seven years before moving here. So right. it's an adjustment. I'm adjusting. It's been a good adjustment. You good. know, when you live somewhere for a long time, you need a change of pace sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes you're like, wow, it's really hard to like start over and be in a new place and have to find new food places that you love and they yes. are just right around the corner like you're used to so what's been your favorite new food find mm, favorite new food find i found this laotian restaurant oh a laotian restaurant okay. all right awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we like argued with her on the phone and then we went and she was like oh sorry people have been complaining and i'm like i get it but also i love fishy things so thank you <laughs> oh, it was wonderful. fishy <laughs> I love it. Well, on that note, um, <laughs> what are your major passions when it comes to the world of poetry and literature? Mm -hmm. And now I guess fiction is creeping into your world here. So what are your passions when it comes to literature? Yeah, um, it's hard because like, I'm very passionate about contemporary queer literature, about poetry that's about like, community and connectedness and friendship. These are all things that I said in my own elevator pitch, but I'm also always looking for those in my writing as well. Um, I love writers who collaborate. Um, I love projects that span across like different genres. So like poets working with dancers or 
um, writers who work with visual artists. Um, I think I've just been thinking a lot about like the ways that my art works across different um, forms of art. And so I've really been enjoying sort of like trying to find that in other people's work as well. But at the end of the day, I'm like a fruit poet who loves to write about like sad, queer, belong, belonging and unbelonging. Um, and I really resonate to like narrative and people writing about the ways that they've struggled to fit in their society. Um, and that's, I think, where like a lot of my interest comes in. So I've been trying to like read my like focus topic that I've been trying to read lately is like that moment in early childhood where like queer kids sort of realize that they're like kind of different and often like the parents sometimes realize too and start to like treat them differently so significantly. It's a much different, much different world than it is uh, from our generation as well. We're kind of, mm-hmm. I'm going to just take a leap and say we're a little before you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little, you know? <laughs> Maybe a little. You look a little younger than we are. <laughs> and our generation wasn't wasn't quite the same as well. Yeah. So no, I it has been a very rapid change, which has been interesting because it's it's wild to see something shift so in your lifetime so completely. Like not entirely, right? I mean being in the South and seeing lots of different forms of homophobia that I like had sort of allowed myself to push out of my brain more being in Chicago, you know? Right. Um, Not that they were not there, but they were less present. Um, So it is definitely like different depending on who you're around and where you are, of course. But it is, I would say as a whole, our American society has really jumped leaps and bounds about this one specific topic in a pretty fast time. I think a lot of that's due to the conversations that you're having in your writing and writers like you. Thank you so much for that. Like, especially for parents like us to have our daughter have writers like you to look towards. It just means the world to us because we can't speak to experiences like you can. And I think, I mean, even for us, everyone has had that experience of not belonging, but not in the same way. Right. And it just, it means so much. And you're doing right. such amazing work. Wow. I think there's also, there's also, I mean, both Courtney and I have spent the last 20 years in education. And I think there's, you know, there's definitely a, a shift that we see as we teach poetry. Um, there's a shift that we see where we can bring in poets that finally sound like and feel like our students. So they have something to kind of relate to. And like, like Courtney said, you know, that idea of having that role model at such an early age is super important because they don't, they don't know. I teach seventh grade and honestly, I don't get a lot of boys that know it's okay to write poetry. Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't know I was allowed to write poetry until I was like 24, 23, 24. (laughs) So I came to it very late, you know? Um, And I do think, I mean, yeah, that is another thing that I love about literature I mean I, that's more in my like poetry section of the questions you asked but like <laughs> that, that I takes us to our next set but I love I love that poetry is able to like have so many different kinds of language and still work as poetic form you know I was thinking yeah. about I was rereading Citizen in one of my classes yeah. and thinking about Holly Rankin. 
yeah, people arguing about that, whether or not it's poetry, because it's prose. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, calm down, everybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> poetry can be so many things. And then also, like, have been reading T.S. Eliot in my, like, historical literature class, where I'm like, I guess this is also poetry. It doesn't have to be poetry <laughs> that I write, but this, you know, <laughs> both can exist very nicely. <laughs> and live alongside each other. Yes. Everyone can get along. Let's all calm down. <laughs> Truly. Though, you know? So in looking at your process when you're writing your poetry or even fiction, um, what is your writing process and how do you prepare yourself? And do you have any like special superstitions or rituals that you work with or around? Um, and even if they're not like consistent that you go through when you're writing? Yeah, I think for me, a big thing for me is handwriting. Um, all of my work, which I usually do. Um, and I do that mostly because on devices, I get distracted very fast mm. and I lose my train of thought. And the big thing for me about my writing is that I sort of like, while I'm writing, I feel like I enter kind of a different headspace where things just kind of are flowing out of me very naturally. And if there's something that stops that, it's very hard for me to get back into that before I finish a piece. Um, so I do really try to handwrite a lot of my stuff just for the sole fact of like getting it all out before it stops so that I don't have to like re-put myself in that headspace again to try to finish it at a later time. <laughs> um, so that's a big thing. I mean, I usually write for the most part either when I'm like emotional and I need to like get process something or figure something out on a page or with like a prompt. I'm not one of those like wake up and write for 20 minutes every day kind of people. I'm just not a very routine person. I know that routines are really helpful for lots of people and I'm just a discombobulated, booping, you know, massive to be to, to make you feel a little more at ease. I think, let's see, we, we've done quite a few of these so far and I don't think there's been one person who's actually said they've sat down from like nine to five because they're gonna write poetry today. Uh, I, I don't like I don't know that I don't know that you could people do do that as a job. I think a lot of people have said it's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> and you should do that. You know? <laughs> and they're trying kinda, to do that. <laughs> I like that. I like that the way that I do it allows for me to have I feel like weeks at a time where I'm like writing a lot and like really having a lot of output and feeling creative and then sometimes weeks at a time where I'm not really writing and I'm more like perceiving and taking in the world and doing things and also thinking about like my revisions and the poems that I've written and thinking about how I feel about them. I feel like sometimes I like go over poems a lot in my head and like read through it in my notebook and be like, what am I trying to do with this? And process it for a while before I like yeah. then put it on the computer and try to turn it into something. Nice. Um, I think well, that's I a think... natural process, isn't it? Yeah. Like taking in the world as well. So you have something to write about. Yeah. <laughs> I love to be in the world, you know, that's like a big thing about me. I mean, I think, I hope not, I mean, not everyone is like that, but. <laughs> well, I think that is, it is a, you know, we'll, we'll call it a, a luxury. Uh, it's a luxury of being a, of being a writer and somebody who's pursuing like a career in writing, the idea that you have to, I mean, you have to be able to observe. It's a teacher on their prep period. You mm -hmm. have to be able to set things up. You have to figure out what's going to happen next. Yeah. Um, that said, so in your in your writing career, um, what have been kind of those pitfalls and stumbling blocks that you've come across um, and how have you dealt with those? Yeah, I thought about this question for a while 
because I was like, there've been a lot of things, you know, like imposter syndrome and self-doubt and lots of like not believing that I'm good enough. And I think also like not really studying poetry formally in any academic environment until now, like not believing that I knew what I was doing and that I had enough to say. Um, but where I landed with the answer to this pitfall is kind of a big one and it's capitalism. Um, so okay. what I decided was that if I didn't have to work a full-time job for so many years and try to like write on the side and didn't have to like pay for housing and for food and for all of these things that I don't know if I should be having to pay for in a just society, I would have had some free time and mental space to like make the art I wanted to make. But I couldn't do that. I was so like stressed about staying alive and also like all the contests in the publishing industry is so competitive in such a way yes. that you feel like you have to like be the best one and you have to like do the edgiest thing and be like number one like I'm gonna win this book contest of 2000 entrants and that's gonna like take me off and push me forward and well and you've already and you've used your you know your rent money and your gas money to do that to pay for those competitions exactly <laughs> it just feels like a really not supportive way to like support artists you know like yeah. I really think that artists thrive when more of us are doing well Yes. And when we're able to talk to each other, like, and be in a community of us who are thriving and who are like thinking more and making more of the art we want to make and pushing each other and inspiring each other by more of us being successful. And that's just the opposite of like the kind of model that capitalism makes. I mean, capitalism is like a big thing, you know? Um, but just like having everything be designed for profit and for sales makes it so that only some people get to make it and lots of other people get left behind. And there's, I was thinking about this a lot because there've been so many posts that I love and that have been huge inspirations for me who I think after trying for a lot of years felt like they weren't getting anywhere and gave up. And I feel bad that our society didn't support them enough to help them keep going. So yeah. that's a big answer. That you is, know? but, yeah. but it's a, it's a very, I mean, it's a super relevant answer, you know, in the wake of like last year's Poetry Foundation debacle. And there are only a few gatekeepers of kind of big time poetry right now. Mm -hmm. And it's, it is hard to get in. It's, it's impossible to get inside those circles. Yeah. Um, or it's like, you have to do things that you don't really want to be doing to get inside those circles, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, yeah. And that's hard too. And it also fosters that self-doubt and that imposter syndrome sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then it's, uh, we've heard from some artists too, you start not wanting to submit because mm -hmm. you've heard somebody else that maybe you feel like is better than you submitted. And will I, should I even bother to submit because it might be my rent money or mm -hmm. close to for that last contest. And mm -hmm. then yes. we start losing artists that really have a strong voice and something powerful to say. And that's such mm -hmm. a shame in, in the world right now. Especially Ruth, with what's going Ruth on. Ruth Lily, Ruth Lily money is life changing, but like one, what do you do after? Uh, like you kind of, and you know, two, yeah, you set yourself apart from everybody else, and then it's it's hard to keep that going mm -hmm. uh, in that same trajectory. And it's also like they get like 
you know, thousands and thousands of entries. And like for historically, we're giving money to four people, right? It's like such a small pool in such a big group of artists who are excited and passionate about poetry, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's hard. It's hard to like wrap my head around that sometimes. I don't know, I think that like being a working artist for a lot of years is making me a good candidate in this MFA because I'm like, I've been doing this. I've been thirsty for this because I haven't yeah. had the time and space for it. But I also think it's made me like a more revolutionary person <laughs> where I'm like, we need to change these systems. This isn't how it should be, you know? So that was that was my yes. main pitfall. And yes, <laughs> you're talking to an abolitionist. <laughs> I mean, me so yeah. <laughs> well, that takes us to our last question, which is uh, what are you most excited about in literature right now? And what should we know? And what's coming up for you? Yeah, what am I excited about in literature? Um, gosh, I'm still thinking about the YA novel that I read last year that was called Pet, and I now I'm forgetting the author's name, which is not good. Hold on, I'm looking at this. Novel. It's all right. This is where we will edit it, and you'll say the author's name, and it'll be perfect. <laughs> uh -huh. You're talking to someone with a brain injury. I forget everything. I have diagnosed amnesia. <laughs> There's no judgment coming your way. <laughs> oh yeah, it's Akwaki Amezi, um, who is a like very like popping off right now, like trans author. And they wrote this YA novel about this like young trans teen in this society that like no one really cared that the teenager was trans. They were just like, this is who I am. And that was a such a minor subplot of the story and everything else was like about much bigger things. Well, that's really um, cool. It was just one of the most beautiful books I've read in a long time. Um, and I'm just excited for like, you know, the way that, you know, the canon of white <laughs> literary <laughs> stuff is being shifted right now in that yes. people are being allowed to tell stories in ways that are not fetishized and are not like, the main point is that they're a minority in that space, but just that they are like people doing things that they've always done but have not been documented um yes. and I'm just feeling excited about the way that we're pushing literature I wish the publishing industry would like keep up which I don't feel like they're doing a great job of doing but I'm excited about the writers who are doing that work um yes. and also thinking a lot about like Detransition Baby 2 um which is a novel that I really loved by Tori Peters who like was like, there's no space for me in the publishing world. And so just like self-published for a lot of years before mm -hmm. being like, you know, approached about a book deal. Um, I gotta say as a, as a publisher now, as we moved into the publishing space as well, yeah, searching for the self-published authors that have been doing it forever, mm -hmm. but just don't get their, can't, can't get their names out there loud enough to, to make a difference. Yeah. It's, a, it's pretty cool, it's a fun search. Yeah, it is. No, it's great. I'm excited to hear that you're doing that search because I think it's important and valuable. And yeah, and it's like, yeah, self-publishing is like about how our publishing industry has like gate been gatekeepers and have kept yeah. people out of the conversation. And why certain people are being kept out of the conversation is something that I would like to see more people discussing. Awesome. Um, what, uh, so that's what, what I'm excited is, about about like the world of literature at large. Yeah, what about for you? 
What about for what me? We, uh, yeah, tell know, us about have, you. What may have come out on like Glass Poetry or what may, you know, what might be out there that we can uh, we can take a look at? I know. Tell me everything. Um, my first chapbook, Fruit Mansion, which I adore, was discontinued because the press stopped publishing poetry. So I don't really have my own chapbook right now. But I have a joint, a collaborative chapbook, Gesundheit, out with Chen. That's through Glass Poetry, which was um, a project that we worked on together. Um, I put together a new chapbook like a few months ago that I haven't sent to anyone or shown to anyone, but I think <laughs> it's quite cute and is is sort of a conversation with my first chapbook, Fruit Mansion. This one is called Vegetable Condominium. So it was sort of like <laughs> the two I love it. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I can't wait. And See, now you just have a full collection then. You've got, well, you've got two pieces. And I have, I've been sending out my first full-length book for the last year eight to nine months now yeah um no bites or anything yet I mean first poetry books are hard to place and I know that so I'm just trying to put it out there and I've made some edits on it recently where I'm like okay now it's really good and now it's at the stage where it could happen so I'm just believing in that as something that the universe will say yes to when it's time hopefully <laughs> i love it well hopefully uh, we're hopefully, sending all the good vibes uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and hopefully this gives a hair more of an audience and uh i look forward to sending people toward the zen height uh over a glass poetry um, <laughs> and, absolutely <laughs> and thank you so much for hanging out with us on tpq 20 today we really love you it. so much oh thank, thank you, you so much yeah. we look forward to seeing you again Thank you for listening to TPQ20. Please like, review, and subscribe.